Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Zinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. It is September. It's back to school. We're so excited. I know. It's my favorite time of the year, especially the time of the year that I actually yearn to be in the classroom. This is my first year I'm not teaching. I can't believe it. I know. I know. I'm sad, but we have been so busy and there's so much going on that I think that it's for the best. So we actually, how can we feel like we're teaching and not be teaching? So we decided to go ahead and ask our amazing Facebook group, 10 Minutes with an Expert, questions they have that we could maybe answer. So we are here to help and we can't wait to see what you have for us. Julie, what's the first question? Yeah. So we're just going to go in line here. And the first question is a question that we hear all the time, which is, how do you find comps? It's so hard. But I know it's so straightforward. But, it's one of the two. But we have such great resources. We have a class. Mm-hmm. We have a podcast with Rachel Ekstrom Courage. And we can link both of them, I guess. That'll be below. Yes. Yeah. And some other, we've talked about other ways to, um, to figure this out. And a great way could be like find one comp on Amazon and then see what they recommend that goes with it and see where yours fits within that intersection. You can go talk to your librarian in your town. They always are so knowledgeable. I'm like, oh, it sounds like this and this. I can go to a bookstore and talk to a bookseller. Any other tips, Jessica? I do think that using Amazon's algorithm in your favor is great. So seeing what is similar, like Julie said, is a really great idea. Also, I think it's really interesting to go to your bookstore, look at what's similar, look for the books that are recent, the rules, as it were, your perfect comp is within three years, a book, not a huge bestseller, something that people are talking about, but it still makes you look well-read to talk about it. But you can use a movie. You can use something that's a bit older. You can do that as long as you look for that ideal comp. So if one of them's a book, the other one can be a movie. If one of them's new, the other one can be older. If one of them's a runaway bestseller, uh, that's probably the worst. But if you do that, get something a little bit more obscure for your second one, and they will balance each other out. Um, If you truly can't find things, just quietly submit it for now because when you do get an agent if you can get through that they'll find comps for you anyways that's correct i would say that it's always better to have no comps than bad comps but it's really great to find them if you can i think it looks a little bit silly if it's things that don't provide an image the whole point is to provide an image so someone can walk into that editorial board meeting and be like hey i have this book it is this meets this and everyone's oh i get it i can picture it sure have some money buy that book and and i think that is because we're all trying to like if you look at metacognition which we talked about in our last event quite a bit like metacognition is like hooking what you know to the new so that's what you're trying to do here anything you can do to hook the new to the already known you're helping create understanding in your in the person's brain that's taking in the information so try to do it all right it's hard (laughs) and like how you hate 
answering the question, hey, what's your book about? Your cops answer that for you and give an idea of what it's going to look like on the page. Right. So that's why you need it now. So you can tell agents about it. Agents need it so they can tell editors need it to tell booksellers. And booksellers may use the very same comps on your cover someday. And I hope yeah, they do. I love that. I know my friend who sold her book used the comp and they used it in the Publishers Weekly, which is awesome. Okay. The it next- also makes me so happy when I write the pitch letter and my copy goes all the way to oh. the copy. It's, oh. Yeah. It's, oh, I know where that came from. Yeah. And okay, the next question is, I think, difficult. And I think that you're the person to answer it. I don't know. <laughs> what are some cliches to avoid? In writing in general? Yeah. All cliches? If you can. <laughs> are we talking about tropes the or trope? cliches? That's true. A trope and a cliche is different. Yeah, we like tropes, especially in romance. And if you can put a new spin on something familiar, everybody loves that. People are always talking about how much they love that. But if it's a cliche, especially in your query letter, you want to prioritize the sentences that can only describe your book. So if you say it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, we have no idea what you're talking about. Like going back to comps, (laughs) it does not help us understand. Use that real estate for something more valuable. So it helps us understand your book. I love that. I love when we talk about query letters and first pages as real estate because it's like it's the property you really own and that you want to make it as amazing as you can, like curb appeal. If it was real estate, going with this metaphor, I find that a lot of queries, if you've got an acre, the house, which is usable, is maybe the size of one room and the rest is just empty dust land. And so there's a little tiny part of it where it's like, get it, I can use it, fantastic. But sometimes it's just, okay, there's like a cactus out there. What do I do with this? Right, oh my god. So gosh. you want to expand. So more of your page space, if we're saying a page, an acre, is something that we can do something with. If it's all cliche, if it could describe many stories, Theoretically, we could build whatever we want there, but do we have time to start from scratch and build something? Not really. If you've got some scaffolding and we can see where the walls are, that helps. If it's close enough that we get to pick the paint colors and the finishes, totally fine. But we have to know where the walls are going to be, where the roof is going to be. If the whole thing is just going to be a swimming pool, if we have no idea, we're not going to be able to invest more time in that because it is a lengthy process. And can you imagine buying a house and you have no idea what it looks like? I have a nightmare about that all the time. (laughs) Or I mistakenly buy a house and then I'm like, oh, there's an extra wing. And I go in there and it's a creep fill. Oh, I have the opposite. Or it's amazing. (laughs) Oh, New Yorkers tend to have the dream. I didn't realize. I put this in the New York Times, I think. New Yorkers tend to have the dream where suddenly there's a room they didn't know about and they have way more space. I have it all the time. It was great. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm really obsessed by that metaphor. I don't think we've ever used it with all the times we've talked about building first pages and queries as it like a piece of construction. And I think that's just a great way to think about it. So hopefully that helps people out there. It's on our back to school lesson. I've been watching ah. that show where they completely redo the house in the yard in six hours. I love I that show. I watched that too. It's fascinating. I it's moving. Yeah, it. it's so great. Okay. I might be able to attack this one. How to attract more readers to your website. So oh, the hard thing about being a writer is you also need to be a marketer. You also need to be a creator. You also need to be a money's person. <laughs> All of it. And so how do you attract more readers to your website is by building more content on your website and building things that actually get people onto your website. You can sell them the books that you want to sell them. And that is always a really difficult conversation. I think there's some podcasts that writers maybe should look at. I think like Agents of Change, the Rich Brooks 
podcast might be helpful in thinking of yourself as a marketer. I'm not saying that this is something you have to do huge and I want to stress people out. But if you're really looking to get people to your website, having a blog, having contests, having games that you could have there. I've seen some picture book writers take one of their images and turn it into matching games for kids. That could be really fun. That's cute. I like Yeah, I think there are a lot of ideas, but I wouldn't stress yourself out too much about this. I think that it's just a piece of the puzzle. And I think social media is a piece of the puzzle. But if it's not your jam, just put a website up there and let it be. But if you really want to get people there, especially if you're self-published, that's going to be important. Any other tips on that? I think thinking top of funnel is probably easier than thinking of all of the hardcore SEO stuff if you're not a tech mm. person. All of that you can look up. SEO is very Googleable, So you could do all of that if you wanted to. But I think also it's more within your control usually to just start posting things on social media, connecting to other writers, building a community, and then that will naturally drive people to your site. Totally. And I actually, I noticed that you some jargon there with top of the funnel. Okay. <laughs> the top of the funnel is that place. It's the largest place where people are starting to know about you and your work. And so with marketing on the top of the funnel is, is where people probably aren't going to buy anything from you, but they might be interested enough to dig in more where the bottom of the funnel is your super fans, your people that are promoting you and buying your product and things like that. So I also think it's always lovely, if you can, to write a piece and link to your website at the bottom of it. We had a wonderful class about writing on Medium, and that's a great way to get your work out there and uh, your name. Yeah, your, that was you such know. a great. Yeah, that, that was, was great. amazing. Those charts. Yeah. Loved those charts. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And like and the idea of there's all kinds of different ways to build a platform. And some people are doing it on TikTok. Some people are doing it over on Instagram. Some people are doing podcasts. It's just, it's, they're all right, but it's what works for you. And especially if you're writing fiction and especially if you want to be traditionally published, it's okay. You don't have yeah. to be amazing at building a website, but we will have a website audit for members in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love this one. How to handle directly conflicting feedback from agents. Okay. So no matter what, you're going to get conflicting advice. You're going to have agent A say, I love this character. Agent B says, I hate this character. Agent C says nothing about that character, but says your world is bad. Agent D loves the world. So I think it's really important to realize that unless you have three people saying the exact same thing, you probably shouldn't do it unless it really resonates. There are going to be so many people who try to help along the way, and sometimes it just feels like noise. So first of all, any feedback, huge compliment. If you get anything other than a form letter from an agent, Take that, mark that in the column of they thought I was worth time, which is a really scarce resource. Um, yeah, we've right. talked about this in the past, how it's like Hawaiian pizza. Like some people love it, some people hate it. <laughs> and it just is what it is. And I I think that we, as writers, we all need to get to the place where you understand the purpose behind the page. So there is a point where... You won't make changes because what is there needs to be there. And it might be that you have to like switch it up or change it or whatever. But if you have the first five pages and you absolutely in your heart believe it should be what it is, then I think you should leave it until, once again, until you have multiple people saying that and or until you can see it in a new way. I think it's really easy for writers to go willy-nilly chasing what someone else's opinion is. But it has to be your own opinion on the page as the artist around that. And so knowing what you can change and then knowing what your negotiables are 
right? And I've heard like really established writers being like, that's a non-negotiable. I will fight my editor. I will go down with this book because if I lose that, then I lose all of this. And it takes a long time to get there. But I think it is like a stylist, kind of going back to the house. A stylist will be like, oh no, we're painting the walls black because we're accenting all these colors. You're not really seeing it <laughs> or whatever. But you know what? Like when you get someone to read the full, they might not have that same opinion about the start that the person that did 10 pages. It's, it's a big question, right? Okay, going back to the pizza. So yep. I like Hawaiian pizza. I think pineapple. I hate Hawaiian pizza. I, I like it. it. But if it was for me, it would have to not have ham, add some olives, and be gluten-free. So if you're a Hawaiian pizza, are you willing to make those changes? I understand if you're not. Right. But yeah, sink in. If you get conflicting advice, don't do anything. Sit on it. Put the book in the drawer. Pull it out. Reread the advice. Oh, I agree with this now. So it's all this information, but don't go willy-nilly. Unless it's a revise and resubmit from your dream agent, in which case I think go ahead and try it. So. Maybe yeah. you'll like it. If you hate it, you don't have to go further, but perhaps worth a try. I think that it's interesting because I think we've had conversations at the Manager Academy where we've had experts say, oh, I gave this advice and the person didn't take any of it. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> And then we see the same thing. We're like, we still see that same problem that the agent saw. And so that that's sometimes a time where it might be worth it to hit multiple people in the industry to see if they're all on the same page. So it's a lot. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. It's your work. It's who you want to listen to. It's finding your champions. I admire the restaurants that say no substitutions. If you want to yeah. be a restaurant that says no substitutions, I think that would be a little hard in this industry, but maybe it'll work out and everything will be perfect. The restaurants that don't let you have salt and pepper because that would... Wait, they take that. them away? Yeah, they start having... We don't have to, we don't have to do that here. Wow. Portland's the city. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I want to go back and eat all the food. I eat all the food. Oh, gosh, this is a tough one. I don't... Okay. Tips for getting pacing just right. Ooh. Wow. I think most of the time, writers go too slow. I think generally you're more likely to be going too slow. However, every so often I get something and it just feels so fast. I can't connect with the characters. Terrible example. There's a certain reality TV show that had Sorry. two female protagonists this season. And I couldn't connect with any of the characters and I had no idea what was going on. And I'll watch next time. But it was very confusing. And so every so often you see a book like that. You see a book that goes so fast that they are working so hard on pacing, but they just go too fast and you can't emotionally connect at that speed. I think it is. I think Jennifer Jacobson, the middle grade writer, she did something for us way at the beginning back in 2016, 2017. And she just talked about the emotional journey. And if you're in a space where your character is afraid and things are moving really fast and there's a lot going on, making sure you give your character, like a gift to your character, time to have a cocktail, eat a sandwich. I think we talked about that in a writing once. Just a chance to have a moment where they get to catch their breath so that when you speed up the dial again, the reader isn't exhausted. And I think like, I don't know, it's funny, like my husband was talking about this the other day, how I fell asleep during the movie Speed with Anna Reed. <laughs> and he's like, why did you fall asleep? And I was like, it was just moving too fast. Like my brain just shut down, right? Like our brains need time to have rhythms. 
And there should be a rhythm in your book. And I think like my editing tip for myself, there's softwares out there that will certainly read to you with a better, I don't remember which one I used last time, but it was like a 30 day free that I paid for it because it was so good. But it was like, it was a very much more conversational IA, artificial AI, artificial intelligence, AI, whatever. But you could tell that when the pacing was off listening as just a listener. And what I like to say, and I'm not even sure this makes sense, but sometimes I feel like it's like rolling a sleeping bag or like a sushi a little tighter and things come off. Like sometimes if you roll it tight, tight enough, it will stay in. But if you roll it, not that well. Things are like parts of your sleeping bag are hanging off. That's sometimes the stuff that you clip out. You look for the stuff that when you roll it tighter, you, that the scene can hold without falling out, if that makes sense. Because sometimes it can be like pacing can be like, instead of talking about how they get there, just get them there. We arrived. I think Ann Elliott is going to be doing some work with this for us in a three-day event in November. So we are going to dive deeper into this, but just look for ways that you can speed us up and slow us down and do that by the emotionality of the character as they're going through the journey. You could also always look at a book in your genre and see how they do it. So you don't have to have all your chapters the same pace. You don't have to have all your chapters the same length. You could look at the ratio of, okay, here's a medium length chapter. It is medium speed. Here is a long chapter. It's really slow when we get five pages about the bread. It's completely a formula that you can follow if you find something that works for you. Absolutely. Okay, another question. If your MG manuscript gets rejected, is it a good idea to query the same agent with a picture book? Yeah, might as well. I think you can at least finish out that round. Try to only have one book on submission at a time. It gets really complicated if you have a lot. Yeah. But yeah, finish out your round, send it to more people. If you get consistent feedback that something needs to be different, go ahead and make it different. But at the same time, I think it's important to to realize that you get another chance with each agent with every book. Unless they say something like, absolutely not. I am closed. I don't like any of your writing. I hope nobody would say that. You get another chance with each book. So another reason to keep writing while you wait. Okay. This one, and, and this was asked multiple times, and I can't answer it. It's on you. No pressure. It'd be great to hear a little update in the state of publishing, especially as it relates to querying. Is it still backed up slower than its normal slow? And how is that trickling down to querying authors? Are agents still drowning queries even more than normal? Yeah. 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 Everything's taking forever. Contracts are taking forever. Contracts never used to take forever. Everything is taking a really long time. The same overwhelm and slowdown in the rest of the economy is really hitting books too. So we always say, even in normal times, that things take a long time. Things are taking so much longer now than usual. And I don't, I don't like, like the answer for that is just try, keep working, try to be patient. Even if you have an agent, things are slow. <laughs> even on submission, things are slow on that side as well, just is what it is. And hopefully I, I, I'm wondering, Jessica, as we move into September, which is a nice work zone for a couple of months, do you think it will speed up a little bit? 
I hope so. I think September is a really good month to be pitching. September is when everyone gets back from their various vacations. All the really exciting cultural stuff is happening in New York. I know people are out and about more right now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think September is the time when we're really ready to hit the ground running and we can't wait to find something really good. I also think it's a good time for slightly more serious works, though, of course, the trend toward escapism will continue as long as the world is stressful, which will probably be a long time. So, hooray! We are so excited for this time of year. We hope you are too. I personally don't understand iced pumpkin spice lattes, but if you want to have one, knock yourself out. Like, whatever you need at this point to be happy in a very stressful time. If it's coffee, you could do much worse. So, try to keep yourselves happy, creative, excited. There's so much coming up. We're trying some really fun new things, some things that are purely for fun, some things that are just to get you in front of agents in new creative ways. And I can't wait to show you some of the things we've come up with. Totally different from before. And also our, we've of course got our agent panels. We've got our workshops. So much happening and can't wait to tell you all about it. Yeah. And we just, especially just a quick reminder that we love hearing when things are going well from you. Like it was positive emails about a great meeting when you actually get the call and your book's coming out. That's a really important part of our day. And we don't talk as much about everyone's successes here primarily because we're like more in the business of educating people on their journey but like people are getting stuff done so many of our people got agents this month and really good ones too yeah i got to get on the phone or the zoom and be like hey you have all these choices what are you gonna do so that's been really exciting too yeah and so just know that like it's around the corner just keep trying keep pivoting keep thinking keep working You've got this. So it's back to school. It's a great time to really hit. And here is hoping that you will have your book coming out and you and your agent and your editor can come on the podcast with us. What is it? Yeah. Yay! Awesome. We hope that happens. <laughs> All, All right. right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. And not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.